From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on December 19th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Welcome to our modified holiday production schedule. This will be the only episode released this week, and it is our econ pod. Econ pod. That's right. We're talking with Dr. Joey Von Nessen from the USC Darlamore School of Business. He's going to tell us what's on tap for 2024. And our econ pod has some campaign news, too. I like There's, We start with econ, but then we go into comments from Sarah Lindsey Graham on the latest in the Middle East and some other things happening on the campaign trail with Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, and Chris Christie. Oh, hey, AT's here. Yeah, that's right. Now we will have another episode for y'all on December 27th. That's right. We'll return to our usual programming on January 2nd with a new SC 2024 episode for y'all that looks at the 2016 Republican primary. And then we'll have a full holiday recap in our January 9th episode. Yeah, it's going to be just me talking about the holidays. But tell us about your holidays. We have a voicemail box set up for this very reason, 803-563-7169. If you're gathered around the table, just call up the lead, put it on speakerphone, and just shout, shout. Just leave us there. Just leave it on for three minutes, and uh, just let us be part of your holiday celebration, 803-563-7169. Thank you. Lead Love Love. Who sent me that butter dish? Welcome to our econ pod. Econ pod. Yes, I know it's here again. Everyone likes to talk about the economy. Well, here you go, folks. Now, you may remember last week where we rattled off a lot of positive economic data, including a record high stock market close, improving consumer sentiment, gas prices are falling, and so too are mortgage rates now that the Federal Reserve has cooled on raising rates, and there's talk of when they might be cut, actually, next year. So a lot of good things going on out there under the Christmas tree that is our economy. Now, every December, the University of South Carolina Darlamore School of Business puts on its annual economic outlook forum to recap the year and look at the year ahead. Economically, guys. Okay, economically. Calm down. Now, research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen is one of those folks who leads that forum, and I caught up with him on This Week in South Carolina to get an idea on how 2024 is looking. But first, I opened by asking him to recap 2023 for us. Listen up, especially you haters out there. 2023 has been a good year for our state, for South Carolina. We've seen consumer spending hold up strong. We've seen strong wage growth for South Carolinians. And we've seen a very good jobs market as well. So 2023, very healthy, uh, very healthy economy for South Carolina. And we've continued to see stable growth overall. But the downside there is that we've also seen some pullback in certain industries, but that's because of a broader readjustment period that the U.S. economy is going through and that South Carolina is part of. And I would even call it the great readjustment, a a multi-year process where we are basically coming off of a caffeine high 
of $6 trillion in stimulus that was injected into the economy in 2020 and 21. So a very healthy economy, a good year for South Carolina, but our growth is tapering because we're coming off of that caffeine high and readjusting. So Joey, when you say uh, this great readjustment that you're talking about with the economy, obviously rebalancing because of COVID, uh, is that a reason maybe we're still seeing consumer sentiment lag even though we have some strong fundamentals in our economy? Yes, uh, consumer sentiment has been very low this year. And in fact, it has been low for the last the last several years. And I think one major reason for that is that we've seen a loss of purchasing power for most consumers in the American economy. Inflation is coming back down. We've seen meaningful progress. It's now at 3.2%, so getting closer to the Federal Reserve's target. But still, if you look overall over the last three years, consumers have lost purchasing power. We've seen prices rise much faster than wages. And that and that has an effect, particularly when consumers are seeing it every day at the grocery store, at the gas pump. And to put some numbers on that, we saw wages rise by about 15 percent in South Carolina over the last three years. But inflation is up by over 18 percent and food prices are up by over 20. So that's what people are seeing every day. And the fact that inflation is now down to 3.2% doesn't undo that loss in purchasing power. Are we seeing some growth? I mean, we've been talking about growth in South Carolina. Obviously, we have a lot of people moving to the state, uh, a lot of hopping areas in our state. What are the hot spots? What are we seeing in terms of growth in these uh, local economies across our state? Well, regionally, the, the economy that's grown the fastest is Charleston. That region has done very well in 2023, has done very well over the last several years because it's such a large and growing economy, a very diverse economy, uh, broad-based demand in manufacturing and housing and healthcare and uh, tourism, as we see the tourism markets pick back up, leisure and hospitality. So Charleston has done very well and has actually been the one region of the state that's been consistent. They didn't see a slowdown in 2023. The good news is all regions of South Carolina grew this past year, uh, but Charleston was definitely the standout. And industry-wise, the biggest gains came from the healthcare industry, and that's largely because we're seeing a lot of population growth and an aging of our population, uh, both of which are contributing to to higher demand in, in healthcare. All that being said, uh, we did see third quarter GDP growth get revised upward to 5.2%, which was really encouraging, uh, another positive sign in our economy. So what does a strong year like 2023 mean for 2024? You know, we have declining inflation, uh, some strong fundamentals. What are you all forecasting for next year? We're forecasting another good year for South Carolina's economy in 2024, but we do expect for growth to continue to taper. This great readjustment that we are in is a multi-year process. It's not over yet. 2023, we saw a bulk of that readjustment happen, uh, but we're not there yet. And the key is getting back to the Fed, looking at, the, looking at what the Federal Reserve is likely to do and how they're going to respond to inflation. Inflation has come down significantly. It peaked at 9.1%, remember, back in June of 2022. And it's steadily come down. It's now at 3.2%. But the Fed has been crystal clear that 3.2% is not in the end. They want to get inflation down to its target of 2.0%. So we still have a ways to go there. And they are willing to leave interest rates high for as long as it takes. And so we'll see if inflation continues to come down or if it stalls, which could cause the Fed to keep rates higher for longer, which could further slow growth and, and still potentially put us into a recession. Yeah, you said the R word before I could, Joey. Talk to us about the likelihood of a recession. This is something that, of course, we've been talking about every time we talk and uh, still things are looking pretty good. So what are what's your confidence level for a recession, a potential recession, or are we just looking at slower growth? How do you mesh all that? 
Well, I'm more confident now that we can avoid recession, given that we've had a full year of of this readjustment of a slowing economy, which is what we want to see. That's what the Fed wants to see. We want to get back to a more stable, long run equilibrium between supply and demand and more slow and steady growth. So we've moved in that direction and we've we've made it through one year. So I think it's far less likely that we see a recession in 2024. But the risk factor still remains 3.2 percent inflation and that it's not down to the Fed's target yet. So the real question is, does the mom- the downward momentum of inflation reverse track? And there are a couple of reasons why it might. Uh, the the downward pressure on, on inflation now is is coming from uh, housing costs. So that's the, the bulk of the remaining inflation and housing costs have come down, are continuing to drop. Um, but we also see getting back to this labor shortage that uh, the labor shortage is gonna continue to put upward pressure on wages. And so if we begin to see wages go back up more in 2024, that could be a countervailing force. And so you basically have two competing metrics that are moving inflation in opposite directions. So the question is, do we see inflation stabilize around 3%, which means the Fed has to leave rates higher for longer, thus risking a further slowdown, or do we continue to see that momentum of the downward pressure on inflation continue as we drop to 2%. And so what will what should we be watching to see how that all affects, how that all gets shake, shaken out? Wage growth would be one. If we see wage growth begin to pick back up, that's gonna be upward pressure on, on inflation. And then a second factor is this movement away from globalization that, that the U.S. is uh, currently in the process of. So, we, and, and what we mean by that is that if we look at international markets, there's a lot of geopolitical uncertainty surrounding the conflict in Russia and Ukraine and, and Israel. That could potentially generate some challenges with supply chains. Um, that has not happened, but if we do see supply chain disruptions in the new year, that could uh, push inflation up. So we need to be on the lookout for that in addition to rising wages. So those are the two factors that could put infl- uh, put upward pressure on inflation and potentially counteract some of the momentum, the downward momentum we've seen in 2023. So those three factors are really gonna inform what the Fed is likely to do. Joey, when we look at potential slowdowns, what areas would you be watching in terms of industries in our state that could be affected from a pullback in growth? Well, the two industries that we've seen so far are housing and manufacturing. Those have been the ones that have been primarily affected by these rising rates. And the reason for that is is very simple. These are consumer goods that are typically big ticket items. We look at housing or new vehicles, furniture. And so as a result of rising rates, when that increases the cost of borrowing money, that generates a decline in demand. And so we continue to expect to see readjustment mainly in those two sectors, but in the goods market more generally, uh, because the goods sector is what was stimulated most in 2020 and 2021, because uh, when we saw consumer spending rise, it was mostly not in the services sector because everybody was staying home. So this pullback is likely gonna continue to be focused in housing and in manufacturing in 2024. Joey, speaking of housing, do you feel like we've seen the worst of the housing impacts at this point? Obviously, interest rates are still high, which means mortgage rates are still high. Um, but how do you how do you look at that at this at this current time? 
Well, most of the pullback in housing actually took place in 2022. So that's that's been mitigated somewhat in the last year, um, which is another good sign for South Carolina that this readjustment process is going the, the way we want it. We want to see the housing market stabilize. That means we're less likely to see recession in 2024. Um, and we can see that in the data. We saw a, a double digit pullback in sales activity statewide for housing by about 23 percent in 2022. Um, but a decline of just about 6% in 2023. Again, still a decline. We're still in that readjustment process, but it looks like the housing market is beginning to stabilize. Prices are still rising. Um, that has to do with a lack of inventory, which has been, uh, been significant in South Carolina for years. That has continued into 2023. Um, so we expect prices to continue to rise. Um, and hopefully that this uh, this pullback in sales activity will really stabilize in 2024. But like you said, it's still a red hot labor market out there. So good news for employees, not so good news for employers. Exactly. This is by far the best job market that we've seen in a generation. Unemployment in South Carolina is now at 2.9%, which is close to the lowest that it's ever been in our history. And actually exactly the same rate that it was at in uh, February of 2020, just before the pandemic. So our unemployment rate has come all the way back down. Our labor force participation rate has also recovered. So we have more people going back to work and the labor force participation has recovered across all age groups, except for those over the age of 55. As we've seen more and more people retire, that's likely to be permanent. But in general, the job market, very strong and great news for job seekers. But yes, it does create a challenge for employers and they're gonna have to get creative in terms of looking for workers and, and adapting to this new market environment. Enjoy. you guys aren't the only ones calling for a slower 2024. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development uh, said it expects global, global growth to slow to 2.7%, uh, but again, avoiding a full-blown recession, uh, even with China and Germany having some uh, slowing in their economies too. So how do you see that globally affecting South Carolina? We're such a globally connected state with our manufacturing base especially. How does that all going to affect us, do you think? Yes, that's a great point. And South Carolina is very much uh, globally connected. We are an export-oriented manufacturing state. Uh, so a bulk of our growth over the past decade has come from the manufacturing industry, come from advanced manufacturing. And much of that is, uh, is, is externally facing towards global markets. Uh, China and Germany are our biggest trading partners in manufacturing. And so, as you mentioned, those economies have not seen strong growth in 2023, particularly Europe, which has been uh, teetering on recession. China's been doing a bit better, but their growth has still been relatively slow. And, and that matters. That means that simply there aren't going to be as many consumers for manufactured products in South Carolina. So it does make a difference. And that, that's another reason why we do expect for demand to cool in our state uh, in the new year. That was USC's Dr. Joey Von Nessen, or as we're giving him this holiday season, a little title, a little honorary, as friend of the pod, Joey. He's been on so many times, I mean, via this week in South Carolina, but still, friend of the pod in the lead extended universe. Okay, well, that's all the economic talk in this econ pod for you. Now I do have some updates for y'all from the Sunday shows and the campaign trail because that's where South Carolina politicians live, folks. That's where they live. Econ. Ah! 
First up, Senator Lindsey Graham was on NBC's Meet the Press on December 17th, discussing the latest on border security negotiations as the Biden administration seeks to get funding for the southern border and national security priorities, including the Ukraine war, the Israel-Hamas conflict, and supporting Taiwan against a rising Chinese threat. Here is what Graham said about the border discussions. We feel like we're being jammed. We're not anywhere close to a deal. It'll go into next year. And let me tell you why it's important to get a good border security deal. What Congressman Castro said was pretty offensive. According to the FBI director last week, he's never seen more, more threats to the homeland than he does today. Wherever he looks, he sees blinking lights. The border has been obliterated since January 21 till now. Uh, we've had 6 million people come to date. There are 3.6 million on schedule to come this year alone. The policy choices of the Biden administration has made the border a dangerous place to come to. America is under threat, according to the FBI director, since October the 7th. Uh, jihadist groups want to attack us because we're helping Israel. I've never been more worried about a 9-11 than I am right now, and our border has been obliterated. And we're not going to give in on some uh, Band-Aid fix. I want to talk about the proposals that are under discussion. But just to be very clear, you say you're not close to a deal. But it sounds like there has been some measured progress. Definitely, like definitely, both sides are coming closer progress. together. How yes. would you characterize that progress? Oh, uh, the only way we're ever going to secure borders, we've got to make them do things they don't want to do. But they're getting there. It was a choice by the Biden administration to change policy. It led to this debacle. But there is progress on asylum. There's a ways to go on parole. You tell me Ukraine's important, I agree with you. To all the national security experts, when you say if we don't help Ukraine, they could lose and the world would fall into chaos, Putin will keep going, I agree with you. But if you're a national security expert, you should have the same energy and vigor to fix a broken border. And of course, the Biden administration has argued there are a complex set of factors which have led to the migrants that. who are crossing the border. I don't buy that. Let me ask you. Well, can I just comment on that? You chose to undo Trump policies. You gave in to people like Mr. Castro. You've created a nightmare. It's bitten you in the ass, and you need to change policy. Graham also commented on the ongoing Israel-Hamas conflict that has now dragged into its third month. The terrorist group Hamas took an estimated 240 hostages after its siege on October 7th. And during a six-day ceasefire at the end of November, 105 hostages were released. Three Israeli hostages, however, who appeared to have escaped or were abandoned over the weekend, were shot and killed by Israeli Defense Forces on Friday after mistakenly being identified as a threat, despite waving white flags. Graham had this to say about President Joe Biden's handling of the conflict. The Biden administration went to Saudi Arabia. The idea of normalizing relationship between Saudi and Israel is still the big prize. I think the attack of October 7th was orchestrated to stop a march toward normalization. Iran's biggest fear if the Arabs reconcile with the Israelis. So give Israel the time and space to destroy Hamas. That's non-negotiable. But we need to be thinking about the day after. Is Israel doing enough to limit civilian deaths, though, Senator? I would hope. They could do more, but here's the problem. Hamas is under schools or under hospitals, but let's talk about the day after. Yeah. The Biden administration is trying to revive the normalization efforts, and I think they're right to do so. If you want to really hurt Iran long term, don't let them get away with destroying efforts to reconcile between Israel and Saudi Arabia.
And moderator Kristen Welker pressed Graham on the recent incendiary and fascist-like comments made by former President Donald Trump while speaking about immigrants poisoning the blood of America. His words, not mine. And again, our country, the United States of America, founded by immigrants. Now, take a listen to this clip and this exchange. Just on the language, though, I want to get your response. You have endorsed former President Trump. Are you comfortable with him using words like that? You know, we're talking about language. I could care less what language people use as long as we get it right. I believe in legal immigration. I have no animosity toward people trying to come to our country. I have animosity against terrorists and against drug dealers, but I understand why people want to come to America. But we have chaos and we need to create order. If you think you're going to win the debate on illegal immigration by picking a line out of the Trump speech, most Americans understand the game has to change, that we're under threat, that we're going to get attacked, that our border has completely been obliterated. So if you're talking about the language Trump uses rather than trying to fix it, that's a losing strategy for the Biden administration. Biden campaign spokesman Amar Musa, following Donald Trump's rally in Durham, New Hampshire, said this, quote, Tonight, Donald Trump channeled his role models as he parroted Adolf Hitler, praised Kim Jong-un, and quoted Vladimir Putin while running for president on a promise to rule as a dictator and threaten American democracy. Trump is not shying away from his plan to lock up millions of people into detention camps and continues to lie about that time when Joe Biden obliterated him by over 7 million votes, three years ago, quote. Now, experts have pointed to passages in Hitler's manifesto, Mein Kampf, in which the future dictator called for racial purity and said German blood was being poisoned by Jews. Now, Trump has used the line previously in an interview with a conservative news outlet and bringing it out for a rally suggests that he could be adding it to his routine. And you may also remember last month when he described his political rivals as, quote, vermin, another term that has anti-Semitic connotations and was employed in Nazi rhetoric. Yeah, not something you typically hear of in a free country. Over on ABC's This Week, former Governor Nikki Haley and New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who just endorsed her, sat down for an interview with Jonathan Carl, and Haley responded to questions about Trump's rhetoric and behavior. Now note this was taped before Trump's blood poisoning statement. I mean, he's running on retribution. He wants to go out and he talks about annihilating his enemies and using the criminal justice system to do so. What, what, do, you, what do you think of that? You guys are exhausting. You're yeah. exhausting in your obsession with him. The thing is, the normal people aren't obsessed with Trump like you guys are. The normal people care about the fact that they can't afford things. They feel like their freedoms are being taken away. They think government's too big. I know y'all want to talk about every single word he says and every single tweet he does. That's exactly why we need a new generational leader. Because people don't want to hear about every word a person says or every tweet. They want to know how you fought for them that day. And they want to know how their life is going to be different. And life would be a whole lot different if the media would stop this obsession with Trump. Now, this comes after Trump said that he will only be dictator for one day, day one. This coming from a man who made some 30,500 false statements during his first term as president, according to The Washington Post. Trump also faces four indictments and 91 felony charges as a result of investigations into a hush money scandal, the Georgia election interference investigation, the federal election interference investigation, and misplaced classified documents. So, a lot. Haley said it's up for courts to decide when and or if a president has immunity in office. 
a claim Trump is making and the U.S. Supreme Court could soon take up. But back to the interview, Carl pressed Haley on her statements following January 6th. I want to ask you about something you said not long after January 6th. I'm going to read the quote. You said, we need to acknowledge he let us down, meaning Trump. He went down a path he shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have followed him, and we shouldn't have listened to him, and we can't let that ever happen again. Do you still feel that way? Of course. I don't ever want that to happen again. I think January 6th was a terrible day. And I think that the tone at the top matters. On so many levels, the tone at the top matters. Look, anti-Trumpers think I don't hate Trump enough. Pro-Trumpers think I don't love him enough. I call it like I see it. If I agree with you on something, I'm going to say it. If I disagree with you on something, I'm going to say it. At the end of the day, people want the truth. They want to know what I think. I tell them what it is, and we let the chips fall where they may. That's what I felt about that situation on January 6th. I hope we never have an event like that again. And and you said we shouldn't have followed him, and we shouldn't have listened to him. We can't ever let that happen again. Well, I think the part, the problem was, and what everybody, so many of his friends and family and everybody saw is you had good people who went there to support him. You had good people that were there at the rallies. And then you had people who broke the law, right? There's a difference. Don't group everybody together. There's a difference. But when President Trump had the opportunity to stop it, when he had the opportunity to say it, the bully pulpit matters. People listen. He didn't. And I, and I hate that for the people that were there supporting him. I hate that for those of us that were watching it. But what I do know is he was the right president at the right time. But the situation we're on in now, nobody wants that chaos again. That's what we're trying to get past. My approach is different. No drama, no vendettas, no whining. Haley was also pressed for her strategy going forward in the early voting states, especially as Trump maintains a commanding lead. I heard the governor say, when you win New Hampshire, are you going to win New Hampshire? My goal is to be strong in Iowa, strong in New Hampshire, strong in South Carolina. But you you need to win somewhere, right? I mean, mean, you're saying that. What I'm saying is, why don't we try and do the best we can in every state and let the people decide which way this goes? I think I'm going to be strong in Iowa. I think I'm going to be strong in in New Hampshire. I think we're going to be strong in South Carolina, and I think we're going to take it. And we're not settling for anything else. And you can be more direct about New Hampshire. Oh, it's an absolute win. No, it's it's a win and a reset button. If everyone that could vote in the primary comes out and votes, not only she's going to win in a landslide, and and that's not an exaggeration. So you're going to see a record bar for you here. No, it's it's not an expectation. He knows his state better than I do. It's not an expectation. It's people getting excited. It's exciting. We can feel it on the ground. We're going to do this. The Haley campaign announced their third campaign ad is up in Iowa and New Hampshire, airing on broadcast, cable, and digital platforms. This comes as Trump is hitting Haley with a new ad as well. Now, Haley got a huge boost in a recent CBS News poll out of New Hampshire with registered voters that puts her in a not-so-distant, though still-distant, second to Trump. The poll found that Trump has 44 percent support, while Haley comes in at 29 percent. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is at 11 percent, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie at 10 percent. How you doing? The poll also found Haley as the most likable and reasonable and as the second most prepared candidate. The poll was conducted between December 8th and the 15th, and Governor Sununu endorsed Haley on the 14th. And her campaign has been up with ads since December 1st, so I guess they're working. And AFP Action has been supporting Haley in the early states since its massive endorsement on November 28th. 
But going back to Christie, the former two-term New Jersey governor and former Trump supporter, was on CBS's Face the Nation this Sunday, where moderator Margaret Brennan asked him about his defense of Haley at the last debate and potentially supporting her in the future. So you said, though, uh, for Nikki Haley, who we have not just CBS, other polls have said she is surging in the state of New Hampshire. You've said she's not a fundamentally serious Uh, candidate. I'm going to stop you. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right there, because in in the last two polls that have come out, Nikki Haley was at 13 or 14 percent and I was at 10 or 11. Yeah. So I don't understand where you talk about surging, Margaret. I know that that's the talking points up on the teleprompter, but it's not surging. I'm not looking the at the teleprompter, sir. I'm looking at your face. You're up two yours. points from our last yeah. poll in September. You said you don't trust any polls. Yeah. You just cited some. So there are some you like. But let me read you what you have said about Nikki Haley. No, no, no. No, I'm, no, no, Margaret. Serious, no, Margaret. I'm countering, said, Margaret, I'm countering what you say, Margaret. I'm countering what you say about other polls showing surges, which they do not. And mm-hmm. so if you want to cite them, at least cite them correctly. Okay. You said Nikki Haley's not a fundamentally serious candidate when she said, as you just said earlier on our program, that Trump uh, is fit to lead. You said you wish that she cared more about the truth and things she said about global trade, for example, you say show she doesn't even understand what she's talking about. Are you ruling out ever working with Nikki Haley in the future to defeat Donald Trump? Uh, I'm working on defeating Donald Trump. And I'm the only one in the race who is working on defeating Donald Trump. Um, When she hasn't ruled out being his vice president, um, I don't think you could take her as a serious contender against him. Ron DeSantis and I have both ruled out accepting the vice presidency from Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Nikki Haley is not. That's why she's not saying strong things against Donald Trump, why she's saying he's fit to be president of the United States. I mean, the fact is, if you watch that speech last night, where he says that immigrants from Asia, Africa, and South America are poisoning the blood of America. I don't know how you could take someone like that and say that they're fit to be president of the United States. Quite the econ pod meets Sunday show pod up in here, folks. But we'll have a full recap for y'all when we return in early January on everything that happened over break. And then we'll also be looking at the legislative session that kicks off on January 9th. Mark your calendars, folks. And the Iowa caucuses on January 15th. That's right. I'll be in the caucuses. Llamas. And and the New Hampshire primary on January 23rd. So cold. It's going to be cold. A reminder that I'll be on the ground in those early states throughout January. So I look forward to uh, some campaign trail road trips for you guys. I'm going to be in different rented vehicles. Uh, AT is going to be talking to me. We're going to be having some really sad wind downs from my hotel rooms or points unknown. It's going to be fantastic, and I need you guys to call because I'm going to need all the help I can get. 803-563-7169. Welcome to the Wind Down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. AT, I'm glad you're back. From your trip, A.T. Shire, folks, podcast producer. I am alive, yes, and that's barely. I mean, that's me barely uh, qualifying as that. I I think I drove, I don't know, let's say over the last week, three hours a day, Mm. minus the two days that I drove 11 hours from New Jersey to South Carolina in either direction. And 
if I'm not mistaken, in New Jersey, they charge you to drive anywhere, That's, right? They, it's an uh, hourly rate. You just have to pay every time you get in your car, like going to the beach there. Am so I, if am I right? you are on uh, Highway 78 and you're going into New Jersey, that is free. If oh, you try, joking, if you try to leave New Jersey, you have to pay to get out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yes, God, you gotta. I gotta pay to leave. You have to pay to leave. It's free to come in. Pay. You oh, have to that pay is to get out. that is some high class <laughs> nonsense there. Yeah, it's very New Jersey. Did and your he, Eagles win? The Eagles lost. The and- Seahawks. Six and seven? It was I caught some of that game. That's how I know these it things. It was really bad. Um, I'm glad you brought this up. I can sure. go on. If you don't want to talk anymore. I don't anymore, want you, you just to go. Claw I, I, I kind of regret bringing it up. Uh, just it, make it quick, please. It was a necessary thing that happened. The, the Eagles stink. I, I was oh God, craving the loss. There's no way that we're going to win in the playoffs. There's no way, let alone win the Super God, Bowl. You sound like a Carolina fan now. I'm it, so unless sorry. no, unless these losses occur. So mm. th- these are necessary losses. It had to happen. Wow. People need to be fired. Okay. Plain and simple. Go birds. I'm, I know that I'm speaking exclusively to birds fans because you're all in my sphere of influence. Seahawks versus Eagles. I mean, they're both birds. Well, yeah, but one. You know, we have the title. Bird. We've we're got like 60 years on these. I other think. Birds. Okay. <laughs> all right. These upstairs. Little birds. Out cigarette. I think I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that. Gavin, my trip, it has come to an end. I am oh, home for Christmas hmm. for the first time in years. I'm not going to be in New Jersey. Gavin, um, your trip is just about yeah, to start. We're going to hit the road and we're going to go up 95. Ever heard of it? Gross. Wonderful Disgusting interstate. Disgusting Some would place. say the best interstate. Uh, best? I would say best I, rest you know, stops. And I need to talk to our friend Christy Hall, SCDOT secretary, Christy yep. Hall, because if you've driven through Columbiana mm-hmm. lately, mm-hmm. cola to people. Soda. Uh, soda. Soda Town. I yes. think that's what they call that's it. That's what we all Soda say. Soda Town. Yep. It's like Willy Wonka up in here all the time. Yeah. It, you know, the, the interchange malfunction junction as it's currently friends yeah. uh, is really coming along. They're really like knocking things out. Things are going up. Things are flying over. They said it couldn't be done. It's getting done. It's wild to see. <laughs> but when you're going up 95, and you know this, you've just driven up there, Fayetteville area, they, it has been under construction and expansion. Our whole lives. Our whole lives. For as long as I can remember. Yeah. For a time there, nothing moved. It was everything was just sitting around. Now, the last time I went up for Thanksgiving, things were finally moving around. They were, you know, making some progress. But it's like, what is going on, North Carolina? I don't Get know. Get your act together. It's becoming it's becoming little Virginia. Honestly. Oh God, that's so true. And you I will know? say, like, that's probably like the worst part of the drive until you get north of Fredericksburg, <sighs> and you get to the mixing bowl, and then it's like two hours. Alexandria, right there. Fredericksburg, oh God, Northern Virginia. It's terrible. All the whole area. I it. I, I truly, I, I've only been to Richmond like four or five times, yeah. you know, and it's a great town. Mm-hmm. But like being on, on the road in Virginia is, yeah. a, is it's, it's a death sentence. It's Ugh. terrible. Like yeah. I'd rather die, maybe. There's I don't so know. Many cops, too. If nothing there were, South Carolina, it's like, oh, welcome south of the border. Go as fast as you want. And I'm not encouraging that. Highways are <laughs> dieways, folks. Go the speed limit, but there's not as many highway patrolmen out there as there are in Virginia. I gotta admit, though, we went 81 this time. We went 77 oh, to 81. Uh-huh. And as, scenic. as soon as you enter into the state of South Carolina, oh. the roads get noticeably worse. Well, yeah, that's what we're trying to fix. <laughs> we're getting there. So, Christy, I know you listen. We love you here. Okay? Um, and then let's let's get up to par. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting. 10 years. How many children will you be around, Gavin? Only three. I, I think. just Only left three. Thank God. I just left ten children. Twenty. And I people. can yell at these kids because they're direct descendants. So oh, I can just yes. be like, 
stop it. Yeah. Or push him or yell at him. And just really and then I get I get chastised for being the mean one. I'm like, hey, well, someone, someone needs to do someone it. needs to do it. Last I checked, Nick, you were gonna be like this mean, grumpy dad type and let the kids not have air conditioning type thing. And mm-hmm. now it's all like, does everyone have their iPad as it charged? <laughs> and I'm like, God, I mean I get it, but woof. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing my nephews. I actually got them gifts this year. Good for you. You know, they're like seven, six, five, and uh, about to be four. So I'm like, okay. I got them a little Air Force One set. All the things I wanted. Air Force Never One, got. the shoes? <laughs> the plane. Oh, the plane. The symbol oh, of freedom. I, I, see, I'm cool, so I thought shoes. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm the cool I don't uncle. know the, the shoe situation. Well, that sounds so great, Gavin. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone has great plans to be around mm-hmm. a bunch of sick people in the next two weeks, please call in and let us know. <laughs> if you need to lock yourself in the bathroom, but you don't need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> call us, please, okay? Call us from, the, from your panic room exactly. bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> please call. So anyway, Gavin, hit them. I Hit them with the credits, the, 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 the soothing, soothing credits that they use as a warm blanket to cover themselves. If you need someone to talk to between coughing fits and or the existential dread that is the end of exactly, the year. Exactly, yes. 803-563-7169. We won't answer the phone. You can text it, though. You can also text it. We won't answer it. I but, might text back. But we will we'll be listening. Yes. We'll be listening We're there. We're, we're there for you, just we're, not there for We're not going to solve your problems, but we I will can't, listen legally to can't solve your problems unless we're at sea. <laughs> anyway, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. You can also leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. Ever heard of it? We appreciate that, too. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers for the South Carolina lead. I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Some haters might want to say that the last episode was an econ Hey, gang. It's G here. Just telling you guys to stay strong and don't listen to the haters. Don't listen. Okay, I got bangs.